generative AI exploded onto the market with the release of ChatGPT. As we all started experimenting with it, there was a mixed bag of reactions. Some feared their job was now in jeopardy, many educational institutions banned it. Others saw it as a potential paradigm shift, helping them to solve problems they couldn't before. Whatever your experience with it, generative AI is an innovation that can bring instant, tangible impact, which has prompted huge interest in applying it in measurable ways. One area that Gen AI is poised to make a massive impact is on the workforce. So what are the opportunities and challenges for HR leaders as they look to harness this potentially transformative technology? Today on the Workday Podcast, it's a conversation between Mike Stamback, Senior Product Marketing Director for AI at Workday, and Kim Morick, Global Leader, Data and Technology Talent Transformation at IBM. Hope you enjoy the episode. Kim, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Explain a little bit about what you do. So I'm part of IBM Consulting, and we work with all sorts of clients, small, medium, extra large global clients. My charge is driving AI, data services and automation into HR processes to drive efficiencies, mainly working with the ecosystem of technology that exists. And obviously Workday is one of our clients' largest ecosystems. We're Workday partner for IBM Consulting, driving data-driven decision-making is what I had been focusing on for the last 10 years. Now I'm focusing on AI-enabled assistance within HR to increase the effectiveness of all of the HR workers out there. That sounds like a really small charter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as we dive in, let's set the stage a bit and talk about the workforce landscape. How has the workforce changed in the last few years? Yeah, so it's so interesting, right? From all sorts of different tasks, from our, our frontline workers to the manufacturing space to the professionals, right? I mean, COVID has just changed expectations of everybody, where some folks on the front line were forced to not go to their jobs because of the shutdown. They were forced to find different jobs, enabling IT jobs. People now have the ability to do so many different things. The appetite and the ability to upskill yourself is there. And so some of these more admin or repetitive type jobs that had existed in the past that potentially uh, individuals thought that maybe that was their charge in life, they now realize that that is not where they need to be and they can accelerate themselves and they're expecting to do so. They're expecting their employers to provide paths for them to do so. Um, if they do have to do that task, you know, in the beginning. So it's, it's a changing landscape. Obviously, the hybrid notion is difficult for organizations to figure out, trying to figure out even how they write job recs, how they source roles, how they create mobility for employees when you're hiring a remote workforce, when maybe you needed to be in the office to be that type manager. I mean, it's really uh, changing the mindset of HR operating models, and as well as the business functions and you know, how you need to attract and retain these individuals. It's like power has shifted to the employee, <laughs> right? Yeah. Power has shifted to the employee. I mean, we can see the power is slowly shifting back to the organizations as more and more are kind of doing this back to the office type thing. But human nature, once you see that you have the power, 
then you're going to stand and you're going to want to uh, enable that change. Digitization that was forced now allows organizations to be primed for what we're talking about now with generative AI. You know, they've got the infrastructure set up. They've got the majority of their employees using digital platforms. And so it's it really has accelerated the capabilities of what you can do next, I think. So what are organizations doing to address those changes you mentioned? They're playing and they're experimenting. Generative AI, I think the economic study says by 2030, there's going to be a $13.7 trillion lift in GDP as a direct result of artificial intelligence. AI has been contributing to GDP for the last 15 years, but this is going to be a, a massive shift where all the consultancies and all the big platform players are, they're building it native into the platform to do the sort of manual jobs to free up humans to work with other humans collaboratively, to go out and attract new talent, come up with strategies, develop new revenue streams. You know, th these are the things that people are focusing on. Uh, these are things that typically give employees and humans excitement, validation, that they are contributing to something good for the organization makes them happy. And so that's that's where people are trying to say some of these more laborious tasks, let's not even try and outsource them anymore. Let's try and automate them. So if you can address some of these changes in the workforce using AI, how do HR leaders really feel about that? How do they feel the impact of generative AI is going to transform their organization? At IBM, we have an institute for business value. You know, a lot of organizations do these sort of independent research studies and uh Back in April, sort of right after the GPT, OpenAI, and Microsoft splash, uh, we did a study and to talk um, to HR organizations, how many of you are focused on using generative AI or, or talking about it um, from a strategic lens. Then same study was conducted uh, in June and 65% of the more respondents were saying, yes, this is in our charter. This is something that we're focusing on. It's coming from board level pressure down through the CEO, down through all of all of the uh, enabling functions, all of the supporting functions with HR specifically dealing with humans that are employees or that are your candidates. It's very important that there's trust, transparency in AI, that it's unbiased and human in the loop, which I know Workday is also very focused on keeping the human in the loop uh, when we're talking specifically about these uh, talent decisions. And so there, I think there's some skepticism there about automating the human out of HR. And when HR is a very humanistic function, we don't view it that way. We view it as giving them a co-pilot to you know, creating, creating an assistant for them so that they can do the things that are important and to be that guidance to the business um, and, and provide, you know, that, that continuity. So I know uh, folks are a little nervous about that. And so they, they, they want to make sure that there's the ability to have the human still part of the decision-making process. Right. I, I think partially the market is not quite ready for us to go full bore automation, automate full tasks. But at the same time, a lot of the risks that are associated, that you hear about generative AI right now, associated with, you know, potential bias, hallucinations and those kind of things, it requires humans to still be in yeah. the loop. So my colleague likes to say, I've seen that movie before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, 
Why did previous efforts around this not succeed? Yes, yeah, so it's interesting. So there was obviously a lot of hype with artificial intelligence. Everybody jumped on board 10 or so years ago thinking that it was going to solve all of the problems. And in some cases where data is very deterministic, like we've seen in recommendation engines and things like that, it can be super helpful. Even those, they thought, oh, this is cool, this is helping everybody, didn't realize that there was bias built in because they're automatically taking, based upon number of views, number of likes, automatically discounting something that new came into the catalog. And so there, there's been a lot of lessons learned as to how bias is creeping into artificial intelligence decision-making um, as, as far as data inclusion or data exclusion. And I think the majority of the platform players out there are very aware of this. Um, all of the consultancies out there now are very aware of this and know that artificial intelligence applications are no longer just a data science experiment. They are the human who does the process along with the data scientists, along with the architects, along with the end users, looking at this from a holistic perspective. Do we have all the data that we need in order to make a human level decision? Does that exist? Pretty much every organization now has AI ethic principles. I know we at IBM do and we follow them um, very strictly. And for all of our clients, I know Workday does too. Um, so it's something that you bring to the forefront. The other part of this ethical principle is somebody might have a great idea for use of artificial intelligence that is to solve a specific use case. But then you've got to bring in some other people that aren't data scientists, that aren't engineers to say, what's the secondary or possible tertiary effect of unleashing this into our organization? Or did you think about all of these other things? And so I think now we're at that stage where all that contemplation is done at the forefront. And because I build data platforms too, a lot of people's data landscape was not where it needed to be in order to be able to drive AI-based decisions at light speed. It just, it just didn't exist. Uh, we're seeing that now even with generative AI more than ever. People need to get their data landscape in, in place where it's trusted. You got to clean it. You know, it's got to make sure you're feeding the machine proper trusted data. So I think people know what needs to happen. The rules are there. There's enough caution uh, from the buyers, you know, and they're not just fully believing that, yeah, this is great. A lot of the things that have come out of ChatGPT with the hallucinations are very helpful. <laughs> because a healthy bit of skepticism is important when you're buying this and, and knowing and testing the solution, yeah. So what do you think is different this time? You're talking about responsible AI. There's still no standards. There's no There's, industry standards I in know. place. There's no, I mean, we're still trying to figure out regulation and policies. I know. What's going to be different this time? I, I know. What's a little different this time, reputational risk. People are, are concerned about that. What's different this time is we at IBM are putting human in the loop, especially when it involves a decision made upon an individual. You can fall back on the human decision. Uh, and so that's what we're making different this time, that that is just part of the process. Well, just like with any other new trend in technology, there can be an over-rotation. So a lot of people can think that generative AI can solve everything. <laughs> so what should HR leaders be reminded of that generative AI 
cannot do? So what are still some of the things that you shouldn't be applying it to? So a lot of people think it's a, a magic bullet. And anybody that even developed old school AI, we know that it always goes back to the data. AI is not going to fix your data mess. I, I had a couple clients that we've been talking about um, policies, lots of stuff that people are thinking this would be good use to summarize generative AI on all of our various different policies. Well, if you're an organization that has policies scattered all over your internal website, you yourself haven't done a very good job of updating them or taking old policies down. And you're going to come tell us just web scrape our entire internet, use that to respond to these policy documents. They're mistaken because it's not going to be able to differentiate what policy is current, what's out of date. There still is logic involved to be deterministic about which policies I need to see as a U.S. employee versus what somebody else might need to see as a European employee. Yeah. These kind of things, there's rules that still need to go in place and data that still need to go in place. So they need to understand that you can't just implement a solution and pray that it's it's going to do everything right and be able to understand. There is still rules-based things that need to occur in order to ensure that folks are getting the information that is deemed appropriate for them. So this transformation is seems like it's way more than just implementing AI. It sounds like there's a lot of cultural aspects to it that need to occur too. So what are some of the biggest challenges that HR leaders are going to face as they try to implement it? I think you've been talking about data, you've been talking about rules, you've been talking about uh, responsible AI. Is there more? So it's interesting. We've seen this, right? So from the top down, there's a vision to see how this technology is going to change organizations and the way organizations function. And they want to be able to drive these efficiencies and to be able to create space for employees to grow. HR leaders, when they start thinking about it, they need to figure out what that space is that their people are going to grow because there's change that's involved in this, right? This is operating model change. Some of that might require you to provide new education to folks because if 30% of your job was admin and now we're asking you to do something different, we want you to be a more of a strategic partner to your sub IT group. Well, you probably need to learn a lot more about this IT process and functions so that you can be a very good collaborative business partner to the folks that you're supporting there. They need to think about change, need to iterate. This is not a silver bullet. Human is in the loop. Trust but verify. <laughs> that's that's always part of it. The way that we're designing it, and I think you guys are too, with this uh, generative AI version being your first draft. Like It's your first draft, right? Um, and you need to know that and review it and edit it because ultimately your name is on the final draft, even though you didn't write the first draft. Because right. if you're not following what's going on in public media and seeing some of the hallucinations or whatnot, I mean, obviously these models are fine-tuned significantly better and we can you know, ingest with your own corporate policy documents. But at the end of the day, trust but verify. So how should HR leaders be thinking about using generative AI to help 
with the skills gap issue. Upskill their workforce, uh, grow their talents uh, pool that they have available within the organization. Can Generative AI actually help them do that? There's some thought work that's being done on this. Starts a little bit with job descriptions. Most organizations' job descriptions, skills are not classified within the job descriptions. There's no linkage between a skill and a job and a skill of a human. So, like, very fuzzy. Some of the organizations we're partnering with are, are trying to close this gap. So, starting with job descriptions, writing all the text that you have to have in a job description when you're posting it and when it's going internal in your system but then listing all the skills. The skills then can go into a relational database. Then you can start doing some really cool things because those skills were generative AI skills, but now you're like storing them with a job role, right? And then again with learning, so going through your learning catalog, using generative AI to pull out the skills that are embedded in the course, and then you can link and you can move forward that way. And so now you can, you know, basically create learning paths. And this is why it's been so fuzzy because it's such hard work for a human to go through most large organizations, 5,000 job roles, 200,000 learning courses in their catalogs, never able to get down to that detail and to get to that linkage. But that, that'll be coming quickly because people are really trying, as we talked about at the beginning, to attract and retain and in order to do that, you know, what skills do you have in your current role? Where do you need to get, you know, building that path? In fact, my colleague I was just talking to earlier made a really good point that skills has been talked about for years as common currency that HR wanted to get to. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't until AI came about that we can actually start to practically apply it. Yes. So creating those linkages you were talking about, only AI is going to it's help us be able to do that because it's too hard of a task for it, a human to do. It, it's too hard of a task for yeah. a human to do. I mean, for any organization that is large enough that needs to be a skill-based organization, not a task that a human can do. And once they got it done, they're going to have to do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's going to be a constantly iterative process. It's constantly iterative, and they're constantly adding new job descriptions and yep. things. So, yeah. We've been talking about generative AI and HR with Kim Mork from IBM. Kim, thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. Thank you, everyone. And thanks, Mike. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Workday Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, you can find our entire catalog at workday.com slash podcasts. Have a great workday.